Okay, I hit record. Okay, you okay. getting some good night sounds? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, this is Adam, and we're recording on the porch, because uh, there's some good night sounds out here. And this is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Lupizza. And I'm Adam. Yeah. And uh, this week we had a discussion with Matthew from Liquid Flannel about the Heathers. Uh, we talked about the Heathers TV series, a failed teen TV series yeah. here in the U.S. It's a TV series that's almost impossible to see, but if you're in the Balkans, you can watch it, <laughs> or in some other parts of Europe. Or if you know your way around the internet. Yeah, but first we talk about the movie. Uh, if a cult classic. Cult classic movie. I think it's one of the, my favorite movies now. We re-watched it before we talked about it, and I think it's got to be one of my absolute favorite movies i mean it's been one of mine since i was in high school which we talked about um and i also present my theory of the hauntology of the heathers tv series and uh why that show is so bad yep. and we try to talk a little bit more broadly about what makes a tv show bad or unwatchable versus the kind of good bad like a lifetime movie or something like that that you actually enjoy watching even though it's really bad yeah we had a, fun, a lot of fun talking to matthew and i think it was a good discussion and uh we're gonna be on liquid flannel in the near future yeah so check that this out it's a cool podcast recording. yeah uh the plain state socialist podcast <laughs> Okay, so the ep is pretty long, so we don't want to make this introduction too long because I want folks to hear our discussion. So let's get right into it. Here's our conversation on the Heathers with Matthew from Liquid Flannel. Make sure you listen to his podcast. Okay. Is that good? That is a loud car. <laughs> Every car in Texas <laughs> Okay. Cool, cool, perfect. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> this week we have a special guest. I don't know, do you want me to introduce you? I feel like it's always really embarrassing to be introduced, so I'll just let you introduce yourself however okay. you would like to. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's fine. I don't know, yeah, I like hey. can't handle hearing people introduce <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, hey, everybody, I'm Matthew Hodges from the Liquid Flannel Podcast very cool podcast we've really enjoyed listening to it Uh, oh thanks yeah yeah we just wrapped up our our hundredth episode which is wild yeah Yeah. totally we enjoyed listening to your uh quiz about the great plains and stuff we learned a lot that we did not know before it's it's a wild place man yeah there there are all sorts of little hidden secrets yeah for sure so um I guess, have you ever seen the movie before? Obviously, the show's brand new, but... Yeah, no, I had never seen the movie before. I didn't know anything about Heathers until we were talking about doing a show together, and you suggested that maybe we should talk about this TV show (laughs) (laughs) that's based on a movie that apparently everybody knows, except, you know, (laughs) me. Uh, Yeah, well, I... um was a big fan of the movie like when I was younger I actually like um I think the movie came out in like 89 and I was born in like 87 or 88 
I mean, I know when I was born, but I don't know exactly which year the movie came out. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, Somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah, 88, 80. No. Um, but uh, so, like, for I forget if it was for my 15th or 16th birthday, but my um, best friends and I had a sleepover where we had uh, the theme was like made in the 80s, and we watched a bunch of 80s movies like. Um, you know, Edward Scissorhands, uh, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club. And, sure. And um, this was, oh, 16 Candles. We watched a lot of John Hughes movies, obviously. And right. then we watched this one and like it, you know, it like really stood out. And I was like an instant fan. Also, probably because, you know, I was like 15 or 16 watching this growing up in Ohio. And the, it's like the whole thing is about a 15 16 year old girl in Ohio who's just like uh, so bored with everything and so over it <laughs> <Right>. you know <laughs> so because uh, the high school Westerberg is it's in Ohio right yeah yeah she's like basically growing up in a you know kind of affluent upper middle class Ohio suburb um, and right. like the outside of her house in the movie literally looked like the outside of one of my best friend's houses so it's like <laughs> yeah, well. very relatable content for me personally not that i wanted to like you know kill anybody or whatever just that you know it's like very um i guess it like you know i was very over things and it also you know we were growing i was growing up like during the bush years and this was made during the reagan years and i think that there was this like weird echo of sort of relatability to everything too which i guess we can get into more later but all right, we get it. You grew up super bougie. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, for you've sure. Drilled, you've drilled that point home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the main thing I wanted to announce, guys. I grew up very comfortably, and that's why I relate to this movie. <laughs> um, no, but- I, think it's, I think it's interesting to throw in uh, Heathers among a bunch of uh, John Hughes films because yeah. in, in a lot of ways, Heathers is – it's it's a send up and like a really dark send up of all of the tropes that you see in John Hughes, right? Yeah. You get the like the nerds and the jocks and the popular girls, um, and then you get this one outsider who starts uh, inadvertently murdering people <laughs> because she's dating Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> yeah, totally. It just it was like such a, a refreshing contrast from sort of everything. So like pretty in pink and whatever you know and then it's like here's actually the dark underbelly of this you know yeah the tone of the movie is so on point how it's a satire that starts kind of light and maintains that jokiness throughout but some of the scenes when they start killing their classmates even like you start feeling the weight of it yeah yeah absolutely and um I guess uh, before we jump super hard into the the TV show, one thing that stood out to me was that the the film is about a gal who, I mean, she belongs to the super popular set. She belongs to the Heathers, uh, even though she's Veronica. Uh, and all of the murders that she commits are kind of her getting in over her head on like pranks. Uh, where they have to end up, you know, like somebody dies and they have to forge a suicide note and kind of trick everybody into thinking that these were all suicides when they were actually uh, murders. But in the movie, she's not she's not super into it. That wasn't her plan. Yeah. She she didn't 
set out to actually start killing people. Right. Yeah, and then, I mean, I guess we'll get more into some of the differences maybe between the movie and the show, but I think one of the most stark differences for me kind of along those lines was that in the movie, like, no one actually commits suicide, right? All of the suicides are these staged murders, basically. But in the TV show, we have, like, one of the Heathers, uh, like, immediately commit suicide in, like, the second episode or something like that. And so it just already... in a really grisly way. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it just all, like, I I was, like, really excited to watch this um, show and, like, to revisit it I, you know, because like I was saying, like the original comes up during the Reagan years and we kind of see like, uh, I guess, like the dark underbelly of the Reagan years. And then I watched the movie myself during the Bush years. And it was like this really stark, um, like reminder that all of the things that I enjoyed in my bougie little neighborhood of like, you know, <laughs> being feeling safe and comfortable and things like that. There was sort of this like dark underbelly, you know, kind of to all of that in the sense that like all of our safety and wealth was undergirded by like, you know, exploitation and the death of Iraqi children. Um. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think that's totally right. I think, I think both the movie and the show share a theme of being, they're a send up of the, of like the bougie American dream. Yeah. That, uh, that like everybody's lives seem to be fairly perfect and uh, solidified within a social strata um, and everything should be stable and it turns out that if you just scratch that a little bit things completely start falling apart totally yeah so yeah that's why I was like really interested to see what this iteration during the Trump years would come out as and I think yeah that's probably like the strongest point of the show but there are other ways in which it's um I don't know. It's it's a little challenging to yeah. Well, should we uh, should we explain for the audience? Should we explain for the audience who hasn't seen the show? any of this? Like what <laughs> what does Heather's even mean? Sure. Yeah. I guess so. I guess I'm just going off the basis that people have at least seen the movie, but maybe that's not uh, fair because, like you said, oh, I'm I'm hoping this is this is educational for people. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to summarize, Adam? So the movie, Heathers, the cool, popular girls at school are three girls named Heathers, and we follow uh, Winona Ryder playing Veronica, who is uh, in that clique, but she doesn't quite fit but in with them. she's not a Heather. Right? Yeah, she's not yeah, literally Yeah, kind of inexplicably hangs out with these three girls <laughs> all named Heather. Yeah, and she kind of sees how they're bullying other kids, and... Uh, so she kind of likes them as friends, but keeps her distance a little bit. She literally says to JD, the the guy, um, it's it's like we're coworkers and our job is being popular. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's divine. Which is an interesting way to describe friendship. <laughs> yeah. So JD is like this uh, uh, kid in a black trench coat who shows up at the school. He's like transferred in, uh, played by Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he is like an edgy kid who uh, is making fun of everybody and is very cynical about the typical high school experience. And then they slowly start uh, yeah. s- staging suicides by accidentally first committing murder, but then ultimately yeah. getting into it. Veronica has a fight with her with the main Heather, 
and then uh, she and JD go. Yeah, over we're gonna to have to we're morning. gonna have to figure out some nomenclature because there's uh, a <laughs> yeah. there's like it, it, in the movie they're even color coded. It's uh, yeah. red heather, <laughs> green heather, and yellow heather, yeah. which kind of carries over into the show. Um, but I think uh, I think maybe for the sake of clarity, because they are they definitely correspond from the show from the movie to the show. Um, like Heather one, the the queen bee of the group. And then Heather 2 is sort of the, that's the green one in the movie, which is, that's definitely color-coded. That's the one played by Shannon Doherty, Mm -hmm. uh, very much like a jealous social climber. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Yellow Heather, Heather 3, is the kind of naive, played as a total bimbo in... The movie. I mean, both of them, but but much more so in the film than, uh, Mm -hmm. than than in the show. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that can be one, two, three. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, So she. I'm sorry, I interrupted you though. She gets into a fight with with Heather One. Are we gonna do that? (laughs) With Heather One. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so she and JD go over to her house in the morning to uh, make her a hangover cure that will make her puke. But JD grabs like Drano, and uh, you know it's uh, a slight mix up, or maybe he intentionally. Gave her the Drano, and then she died. Right, yeah, and it's it's not made super clear at that point in the film whether or not he did that. Well, no, I guess it is kind of intentional. Like, Winona Ryder doesn't know that she carries the cup of Drano in, right. but Kiefer Sutherland definitely knows. He put the lid on it so that she wouldn't see it, right. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, a little ambiguous, but basically, yeah, we can kind of, like, blame him from the jump that he is, you know, yeah. the most sort of murderous so then, of the two of them. So then she's, uh, she's really good at forging other people's handwriting, right. so he convinces her to write a suicide note out, and this starts this whole, uh, like, suicide panic among the school administrators and the parents, The the parents being... Very much like 1980s. I was thinking about uh, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off yeah. and how the the parents are completely dissociated from their kids' lives and are just kind of doing the things that they read in the newspaper or whatever that they think are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. What they're supposed to be doing, <laughs> yeah. uh, which which ends up getting played for laughs in the show. Also, JD's dad in the movie is so interesting to me. Uh, he's yeah, like he's a, he's just a straight up bad guy. Yeah. And he's a construction magnate. And they have this uh, dynamic that they copy in the TV show, but not to the same effect, where uh, JD always refers to him as son jokingly, and the dad refers to him as dad. So, like, he'll walk in the room right. and he'll be like, Dad, did you get your homework? Or son, did you get your homework done? And be like, no, dad. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, it, like uh, he walks, dad walks in and immediately was like, um, like, Dad, how was your day today? And then goes off on how shitty his day was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, I think one of the most kind of powerful scenes in the movie, or not powerful, but I don't know, it, it like, really underscores the point that, like, his dad is, because he's, like, a successful construction tycoon, and then he comes in and he wants to watch a video of, like, a building they recently blew up, and there's, like, a <laughs> right. close-up of his face where you just realize, like, oh, this CEO is a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. And then we see, like, oh, yeah, and his son is also a psychopath. <laughs> like, but that, but these are the people that are, like, 
you know, respectable and able to like sort of live this suburban bougie lifestyle that, you know, is being depicted in the movie. So I think Yeah, like, totally. So so as that plot goes along, basically he uh J D ends up tricking Veronica again into thinking that they're gonna play a prank that also ends up in a couple of deaths. Yeah. Uh they're supposed this time, to be like fake bullets. Yeah. Um, they're wow. like setting it up like the jocks are yeah. uh, gay, which you know it's the eighties, so obviously. Oh man, yeah, it was a, it was pretty <laughs> jarring when the cops find the bodies and their their commentary on the scene that they just found. I'm not going to repeat it because it is yeah. uh, it mm-hmm. did not age well. No, <laughs> no, yeah. definitely not. Um, but this, the, is, no, no. Oh, no, that's fine. Well, I just this this. Uh, the first murder of the fir- of Heather number one, uh, they play it off like a, j- a joke, basically. And uh, the movie plays it off like a joke a little bit. So yeah. it could either be that this movie, nothing happened, nothing that happens in this movie matters because it's all a comedy, or these characters don't really um, feel the consequences of their actions, and you don't really realize it's, that it's the latter until this murder, because it there's like a chase scene the victims are trying to get away and they fail yeah and the it just has a lot more emotional impact so this is where you really start to feel like this is a world where consequences do matter yeah yeah right yeah so we have that like they basically make it look like yeah these two jocks are were gay lovers um and it's sort of justified because it turns out like both of the jocks were sort of like date rapists basically right i mean they go cow tipping and there's like oh, right. one of them yeah. like sexually assaults um, he- the the third Heather, <laughs> uh, and so you know they kind of justify it that way that like oh and then the next day the other jock says that Veronica that they like you know double team Veronica or whatever, yeah. um, but basically it's obviously very awful that they kill these boys. Uh, but it does lead to one of the most famous lines of the film oh, where right. the dad cries over the casket and says, you know, I love my dead gay son. Um, yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I was I was amazed. I was amazed at how many references I knew from this movie without yeah. ever having seen the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, like, I've seen people reference, like, I love my dead gay son, uh, like, a million times, and I had no idea what it was from. <laughs> yeah, or like uh, fuck me also, gently like, with what's the your chainsaw. damage and all of these other all of these yeah. other like mm-hmm. catchphrases and stuff that they use. Um, mm. Yeah, because they're because uh, the Heather's are these you know stereotypical like Valley girls that uh, I I don't know if there's an earlier example of that kind of trope. I mean, you saw it later on in films uh, like Clueless or like Mean Girls and things like that. But um, yeah, this is. I, I think this might have been like the trope maker for a bunch of uh, that kind of the the really socially stratis- stratified uh, high school experience. Yeah. And also I think maybe the um, like mocking of this type of uh, girl, right, who thinks like, oh, my life is so hard, you know, because, like right, Cher right. thinks her life is very hard. The girls on Mean Girls think like, you know, they're afflicted by having to you know, go to high school and stuff like that. 
Um, and I right. think that this sh- this movie kind of, yeah, I think that's where you really see it start, maybe. Um, but yeah, so basically they go on and commit, I think, a- another murder. And then one of the Heathers almost tries to commit suicide. And... But Veronica finds her and stops it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you said, Matt, like Veronica in this one is um, an ambiguous character or even sometimes a good character. And she's really our entryway into the story. She's somebody that you can sympathize with. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think in the in the film, she does end up being the protagonist. I mean, she's definitely the protagonist in the movie because she gets to the point where this has gone on far enough. She is no longer attracted to JD's character. Um, it, it does not want him to kill anybody else. And at the end, and she also kind of breaks up with the Heathers as the, you know, as she starts to see how messed up this social situation they've created is kind of completely checks out of that. She stops JD's plan to blow up the pep rally and kill everybody uh, and ends up like making friends with the uh you know the the girl, who, the girl in the high school who always gets bullied yeah yeah dump truck um who has a who has an analog in the mm-hmm. in the tv show that i definitely want to dig into yeah yeah um yeah but yeah i i mean it's it's uh it she's she's clearly the protagonist of the movie and somebody that we're supposed to be rooting for even though she does a bunch of messed up stuff, she redeems herself by mm-hmm. she stops JD's plan. She has her cool moment, like smoking her cigarette on the it you know really like the cool. front yeah, steps yeah. of the school <laughs> while he Iconic. blows himself up because he knows that he's done for, and uh, you know goes in and like tells tells Heather to like you thought you were in charge of this high school, but now I am, and then mm-hmm. she's like, hey, unpopular girl, like. Why don't we hang out on prom night? My uh, my my prom date just flaked out on me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a great ending. I, was... I, I, I think ultimately it's about to reaffirming the social order. Like, think... you spend half the movie criticizing how phony everybody is or how dumb they are. And then at the end, Veronica saves everybody. And she puts on the red uh, scrunchie that symbolizes she's the top Heather. And then she acts... Uh, inclusively and nicely towards uh, dump truck. So I feel like yeah. she's saying, you know, things aren't perfect, but I'm going to basically like work within the system, try to lead it in a positive direction instead yeah. of like I, well, I think being she's, the psychopath I was. She's learned, right, like that obviously like JD's like chaos and destruction didn't work. Um, killing one Heather just made people not only sympathize with the dead Heather, but then a new Heather just popped up, right? So yeah. Um, yeah, that didn't work, obviously. And then I think she ultimately, like, th- I, I was thinking about it because um, we also rewatched the movie recently. Um, and I noticed that, like, the two times that she doesn't seem, like, really unhappy or bored or disconnected or whatever is when she plays croquet with Betty Finn. And that's, like, her old f- friend from back in the day before she became a popular girl. Um, and then the other time is when she's like talking to Martha dump truck and being like, let's hang out or whatever. So I feel like she has the, the idea is like maybe that, you know, the best thing you can do is sort of be like genuine and like 
you know, nice, <laughs> like, yeah. but like, in a, you know, and just be friends with people that you actually like, as opposed to sort of trying to, you know, either overthrow the hierarchy or get to the top or whatever, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, she does that. And, and she has that scene where she plays croquet with, with Betty, the, the gal that she, used to be friends with before she got popular, but she actually goes and hangs out with her, has Betty come over to her house and they play croquet together. And they, it seems like she's already on the path to making amends. Um, Adam, you said a thing that reminded me of a point I wanted to bring up, which was uh, part of the theme of the movie, I think, reminded me a lot of an episode of Daria, uh, episode from the first episode of Daria called The Misery Chick where uh, this like old uh, he's like the old quarterback from the high school comes back for a visit and uh, through a comical tragic series of events um, ends up dying like right after he talks to her and after he's been a dick to like everybody and all of a sudden Everybody is mourning him and giving these, uh, um, you know, these requiems about what a great guy he was and stuff. And that's not actually what that episode is about, but it reminded me. I went up, I went back and watched it today, and the themes are exactly the same. It's the idea that these people, because Heather One in the movie is actually awful. She's actively bullying people. They. She has Veronica forge a note uh, from the girl dump truck um, to like, uh, sorry, from like the one of the main jocks in the school and puts it on dump trucks lunch tray. So she thinks that he's into her and she approaches him and everybody laughs her out of the cafeteria. And she later tries to commit suicide because she gets bullied all the time, you know. Uh, but as soon as she's dead, all of a sudden, you know, there's even that scene where uh, Winona Ryder and Kiefer Sutherland are sitting on the couch and they're like, what do we do? Like, she's more popular than ever. Like, yeah. Killing her didn't help anything at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so should we move into talking about this <laughs> TV <Yeah>. show? <laughs> I think we've got to. And also, I'm going to be mad if we don't, because I literally <laughs> sat on my ass for nine hours yesterday and watched the entire first season of this TV show. Probably also the last season of yeah. this TV show. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. I have to assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, did you see how it didn't even air in America? Yeah. 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 No. So, uh, yeah, I guess... I guess we should probably give a spoiler warning, right? I oh, mean, if yeah. we're going to actually discuss the themes of this show. Yeah, um, Adam well, and I the, spoil everything we talk about. The, so The other thing with yeah, a spoiler okay. alert for this show is that nobody should watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Spoiler. I think that, I think that if you're into completely problematic schlock, and like <laughs> the, the schadenfreude of uh, like making an entire season of a tv show that never should have been aired uh you should absolutely watch this show because that's the best thing you can get out of it (laughs) yeah totally i think that's very well put (laughs) but yeah but i'm i'm not surprised that nobody is running the show because the show literally ends the second to last episode has a simulated school shooting and the last episode (laughs) literally has the entire prom blown up 
yeah. by the protagonist and yeah. everybody dies except for one character. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible choice for uh, a TV show being made in I assume 2017. I mean, like, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the 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 production of this was it, they were supposed to release what the pilot came out like last February or something, February 2018. Yeah, I think no, so. No, 2017, maybe? When did the Parkland th- shooting happen? I thought that this show was originally supposed to come out, like, like right around, like, a, maybe right a week after Parkland happened or something like right. that. Right, yeah. And then they're yeah, like, no, so- we'll postpone it till, like, March or something, and then it'll be fine. Yeah, cause- I think they postponed it till July or something, and then, the like, the Santa Fe High School shooting happened. Yeah, you, know, you really can't postpone it very long because that's unfortunately the world we live in and like yeah. right you know. that just happens all the time you're yeah. never going to be able to release this show yeah which is why it's hard to understand like who they made this show for it's also hard to understand why they like tv land specifically was the channel that this was going to be broadcast on originally yeah what's with that i thought like, tv what? land was the one that played the uh like bewitched reruns and yeah. stuff like that me too, which is like, yeah, I feel like their demographic is like people that are, you know, too too old for this, <laughs> but also like too young to be nostalgic for the old Heathers, you know? Like, right, so I right. don't know who the hell like was going to watch, a, I don't know, this high school show on TV land, but... Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So then, so then they tried to move it to the the what used to be the Spike Network, like the oh, network that's right. for dudes, right, right. Uh, uh, and even they decided not to not to air it. So you can get the whole season like online, but not through an American source. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're like in the Balkans, you can watch yeah. the whole show, which is just yeah, incredible right. to me. <laughs> Yeah, what's with that? The the list of countries that actually did air this, like on their HBO Go, I guess they, they got a contract with them. It was like Croatia Croatia and like Herzegovina and yeah. Macedonia. Uh, I don't know, like Lithuania yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like I guess yeah. they just like to watch Americans uh be awful to each other and murder each other. Which I, <laughs> I guess I could understand. Yeah, yeah, I mean I think that uh they're probably just like, oh, cool, like some cheap American content. Great, we'll yeah. take right, it. Right, right. <laughs> we have some Macedonian listeners, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> this will be really, <laughs> really like great for them. Well, but I, everybody else is going to be like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> to the show's credit, it is very well produced. I yeah. Mean, the, yeah. The production values are... It, okay, the color's a little oversaturated, but the yeah. music choices... Um, the way that they uh, like call back earlier episodes or lines from the movie, it's it's cleverly written, I think, for telling a completely different story. The the filming looks really nice. The the set direction and uh, camera direction, it looks really good. It's a pretty show. Uh, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen any of. Uh, what's the what's that Archie show on the CW? Oh, Riverdale. Riverdale. She watches it. Yeah, Riverdale. I, I haven't seen okay. any of that except for clips, but it kind of reminded me of that in yeah, direction and, and production. Yeah, this is so a little bit like the movie filtered through like a CW filter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, good call. 
Yeah. Yeah, until they until they introduce Sabrina the Teenage Witch and then there's going to be actual magic <laughs> in that universe and it's just going to go Haywire. even farther outfield. <laughs> yeah. So. Um so should we talk a little bit about like the- like the first episode and right? Yeah, yeah. what's I mean like we we got to start with like the big major difference that pissed everybody off between the between the film and the the TV series, right? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the actual Heathers was that, was that the actual Heathers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Heathers have been updated on the TV show, and um, Heather number one is a uh, fat lesbian. Heather number with a uh, massive social media. She looks. Following. She looks exactly. She looks exactly like Big Red. That one like angry woman at some protest that the alt right have grabbed oh, onto is like yeah. this is what an angry feminist looks like. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we have uh, like gender queer Heather, who's mm-hmm. I guess she's Heather number two. Right. Uh, and then Heather number three is I uh, guess she's supposed to be a black lesbian, but then it turns out she's not really a lesbian, which lying. is a scandal. Yeah. Yeah, they make her faking lesbianism a plot point in the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, all of all of this is going to feed into a big theme that I think we're building toward, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And JD is kind of like an edgelord 4chan red-pilled guy. Yeah, I mean, he oh literally God, presents 100%. her with a red pill. <laughs> yeah. He's 100% like normcore, clearly spends a lot of time online. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Veronica herself is... I don't know. I guess she's just sort of like, I guess she's supposed to, at least she comes off in the beginning as our like proxy into this world because she's the only one that seems kind of normal, I guess. You know, she's like, just seems like just an average high school girl. Right. Except at the same time, I mean, okay, so the, the show introduces her by having her have a conversation with the, uh, like man-hating feminazi coded uh guidance counselor oh yeah who's who's trying to get her to decide who she is right because she needs to start filling out uh like college essays and she's like i i think i'm a good person i think i'm a good friend and the counselor's like no that's not what i mean like who are you like what could we sell like what part of your identity could we sell to a you know yeah and she's like i like i know you're half jewish but that doesn't even count anymore (laughs) um which again the theme i believe we're building toward yeah well i mean and actually kind of going along with that is like kind of throughout the first episode she says like a couple more times oh i think that like one of the even before she talks to the guidance counselor or maybe after i don't know it doesn't matter she's like um gonna do like the the lunchtime poll with the heathers which is a thing they pulled from the movie and oh yeah um the like heather you know heather's question for the lunchtime poll or something is like who are you and like i don't know the jocks said that they're brave and the nerds said that they're smart and the sluts said that they're open which is such a weird right, they, they all sort say. themselves into harry potter houses i know exactly <laughs> <laughs> And um, Veronica, that's when she says, like, 
I think for the first time that like I don't know I think I'm a good person so like I feel like a couple times she like links I don't know and then also says I think I'm a good person and the show seems to say over and over again like well that doesn't matter like what's more important is like your identity man you know like Mm -hmm. or your brand who you actually believe you are yeah yeah that's that's a good point I think that is probably the like the point of the whole show I mean I it's hard to for me it's really hard to say of the whole show is just because yeah. it, it was a little uh, all over the place for me with its message. But I mean, we can we can talk about that more as we go. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So so that's uh so just the change in the heathers, I think starts off this very strange, um, almost like a South Park totally uh, rejection of it's <laughs> the I I made a note to myself while I was watching the show. Uh, and I I wrote down, it's like if Kirk Cameron directed a TV show with script advice from Jordan Peterson. <laughs> uh, because it has this really weird, uh, regressive, reactionary politics about yeah. it. Where most of the comedy comes from the idea that, well, okay, so in the film, the Heathers are popular because they're all gorgeous and rich. And I think Heather one even says something like everybody either wants to be friends with me or fuck me. That's why I'm popular. And, uh, in, in the show, Heather one is, she's not popular. Everybody hates her, which I guess is true in the film too. But the reason everybody fears her and respects her power is because she's, huge on social media so (laughs) she can use these like social media shaming tactics against people uh there's a scene in the first episode also where uh she sees a guy wearing it's it's obviously just a mock-up of uh like the washington redskins Redskins. Uh, cleveland Um, indians it's like a little cartoon yeah yeah oh yeah the the cleveland oh well perfect there in ohio yeah. yeah yeah that's the one um where she literally like takes a picture of the guy wearing it, threatens to blast it out to her, like, 150,000 Instagram followers, unless he then does a bunch of degrading shit. Yeah. Um, so you, so what you end up with is, it's literally like Jordan Peterson's fantasy about what, like, college life is like, where yeah. you've got these rogue SJWs who wield outsized societal mm-hmm. power. Uh, they all belong to marginalized identity groups, uh, therefore, nobody can criticize them for anything, and they're going around and like cracking down on regular, like traditional white behavior. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Ad- it's funny that you mentioned South Park, actually, because Adam like specifically also mentioned South Park to me when we were watching the show. Do yeah. you wanna, like? Yeah, I mean, Adam, it's it. Uh, I don't know how much you keep up with it, but I'm sure you were seeing echoes of like like the PC principal character. No, I haven't watched in a couple of years. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's it's gotten worse in the sense of they're they're way more on the nose about going after this kind of stuff on that show uh in not always the best way and I think definitely not in the best way on this show. Yeah. I think you mentioned South Park more like in terms of their kind of like everything stupid kind of stance. Yeah. I think this show kind of doesn't want to own up to being as anti-SJW as it obviously is. Like, when you look up interviews with the creator, too, he's like, 
the creator is like, uh, oh, I think the Heathers are actually the characters that everybody wants to be. I know I felt that way when I watched the movie as a kid. And the real villains are the parents. And he just will not own up to like what he's actually read. He literally put a red pill like in like a symbol of you know sort of the alt right right like in the show and was like holy yeah. shit you're right you know yeah. <laughs> like here and the like the villains are clearly SJWs yeah. like when, I mean when he poisons Heather one instead of it being Drano it's a red pill yeah that's a, a Nazi Nazi suicide pill yeah yeah god damn yeah so it's like I I think though he. I, it's all. It feels to me almost like they started out down that track, and then at some point, I think someone must have been like, "What the hell are you doing, man? You can't put this out." So then they start kind of like walking it back a little bit and being like, "Oh no, no, see, like JD's perspective, that's not right either." Mm-hmm. And so you kind of start to get the sense, like halfway through, that like uh, they don't like the SJWs, but they are also not willing to commit to you know, this murderous alt-right character. So- right, right. Well, <laughs> a, a lot of it ends up getting relegated to the the group of teachers who meet regularly, um, including, man, I, I meant to look up the actor's name, but he was like, he was Rob Lowe's sidekick in in uh, Wayne's World, and okay. the guy who plays the principal, yeah. uh, just this character actor that everybody has, has seen in like a million things. I know I know his name. I, I, yeah, I don't know his name, but I, I recognized him, too, because he has been in, like, literally a million things. But what I was going for there was, I think a lot of the, like, anti-SJW, like, campus PC panic sort of stuff ends up getting relegated to this one group of adults who are just trying to do basically the thing that's going to play in the media the best. Mm. Um, so you've got the completely baffled principal who does not understand uh how a fat girl can be popular (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah like how how can a fat girl like uh there's there's literally they literally do a scene in like the sixth episode where uh heather two the the gender queer one has gotten in trouble for using a fake prop gun that's literally just like a cardboard cutout gun on stage during a stage performance and they're talking about whether to uh, expel Heather or not, but it ends up going into it's a very like Petersonian, uh, like Ben Shapiro sort of it's hard to rant watch. about about uh, like pronouns yeah. and like who like what pronouns are we supposed to use for this student? The student is literally just sitting there like filing his her nails uh, and not paying attention to any of them. Um, but that's it's like a five minute scene of them just doing they're literally doing like who's on first except it's oh, like yeah. who's she no like no I'm talking about Z so, like, yeah. Z Z so who's who's Z you've introduced a new person into this yeah the main problem with this show is just that it's not smart it's not funny it thinks it is and it's just not yeah yeah it's it's hard to tell what they even were trying to do like <laughs> yeah. who's the audience is. for this. Um, there was a, there was a review that came out. I found the, the Reddit link to the review and I'm not going to dig it off of my phone right now, but, um, the, the article linked said the Heather's reboot is a very like weirdly Trumpian regressive thing. 
and mm. true to form, like 90% of the Reddit thread about it was just arguing about the merits of Donald Trump or the merits of identity politics. <laughs> so it's like, I don't think this is who they were trying to attract to this. Yeah. Because, because at the same time, they want you to accept Heather One as a, like a plus size woman uh, who is body positive and has made her own brand. They want you to accept Heather Two as mm-hmm. a genderqueer individual yeah. who also is trying to just make their own way in uh, in the world. Uh, and they want you to accept Heather Three, who at least is presented initially as a black lesbian or like mixed race black lesbian, even though that kind of falls apart after a while. Um like they want you to they they build sympathy for these characters also which is so weird. Yeah. It's it's yeah. such a strange thing that the show does where like every episode oscillates between any of these heathers being a good person or just a terrible person that in the movie you wouldn't be super sad if they died. Totally. I think Heather too they made the gender queer Heather they made the most sympathetic. They really fleshed out her backstory. She had a moment where she figured out what JD was doing and almost you know, got away and survived. And it was at, it was after like the emotional climax of her character where you sympathize with her the most. But with Heather one, like they, in, in the movie, right at the end, Veronica has the moment where she, uh, wants to hang out with dump truck, the most dumped on character in the school. But they give that right. in the TV show, they give that to Heather one. And she yeah, that's right. With Parker the out. with the character, uh, yeah, Brianna Trailer Parker. Yeah, yeah. And like she she has this moment at dinner where she like really connects with Trailer Parker, right? But then in the next episode, well, she's like a turns, villain again. Yeah. Well, she find she they so she and Trailer Heather one and Trailer Parker go to like a I forget we go to like a Mexican restaurant and they have margaritas. uh, So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the first birthday of Heather three. Oh, that's right. After her suicide. That's right. And she has been, she has been basically shamed out of like society, uh, society (laughs) because of this musical that the incredibly offensively gay coded, uh, drama teacher put on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she takes the, and, and in, in the, in the show, uh, Trailer Parker has that nickname because she's poor and she lives in the trailer park. Uh, whereas in the original, she was something dump truck and she was named that because she's like, like really overweight and, um, looks like a power lifter, honestly. That's, that's what I would have done if (laughs) Um, I were in high school. I'm I'm like looking at, I'm looking at, um, at that dinner is that. Uh, they have like margaritas and they bond or whatever. And um, uh, Heather like realizes, you know, Trailer Parker's humanity. And then um, Trailer Parker. Kinda. Par- uh, well, and a li- there seems to ha- be having some kind of connection where she's sort of like seemingly at least tra- like trying to be mm-hmm. a better person yeah, and be trying. friendly. Right, right. Um, but then she, Trailer Parker, like, mentions that, because she's, like, a religious person, and she, they, apparently, like, she went to some, like, camp oh, in, right. like, Peru or somewhere, and it turned out that, like, 
uh, Heather too had it was like a con- like gay conversion right camp or something, and Heather too had done a commercial for it. Even though Heather too is now this like you know um, out and proud uh, queer person. And, and so, incredibly fashionable. I mean, yeah. <laughs> seriously, yes. watching watching all of her outfits, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I would love to be able to pull off like half of that yeah. style. The fashion is the sole good point about this show. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting <laughs> and like not all of the pieces together at once, but there are a lot of like cool, interesting choices. Um, right. But yeah, but basically then Heather like realizes that she can use this information to shame um, Heather too and so then she like immediately like backtracks and like yeah. doesn't care anymore about Trailer Parker or her yeah. humanity right and then she never does well, anything nice again until the end of the show <laughs> no. yeah also the scene itself and the way that they treat the character of Trailer Parker for the rest of the show is also incongruous with what's supposed to be happening in that scene because in addition to Trailer actually being like actually kind of a cool person who's mm-hmm. done some stuff and actually cares about people and is very forgiving and loving and She's pretty like a confident good model and chill for these people. Too. They also make big jokes about how like they don't just say they don't just have her say like oh I've never eaten in a restaurant before. They play it up for laughs yeah. that yeah. she doesn't know what a menu is, yeah. which is, you know, and then like later on in the show every time you see her she's still just like She's piloting her little thing around and her so she ends up in a walk around because she attempts suicide and ends up paralyzed from the waist down. And they treat that as a joke. They treat every time yeah. she's in her wheelchair as a joke, including in the last episode when you're supposed to kind of care about her by this point, And she can't get up on the dance floor because yeah. the back wheels of her oh, right, electric yeah. wheelchair won't like take a grip. Yeah. So it's it's so weird that they're even trying to use this as like a personal growth moment when they can't get away from literally just making make, fun of disabled people. Yes, I know. <laughs> Although I was saying to Adam, in some ways the character uh, or like presentation of Trailer Parker might be it's like the show's most progressive or like leftist stance just in the way that like um, we have all these other identities, right? Like the Heathers are fat, they're queer, they're, you know, um, minorities, right? Like they're, they have all these different identities that they embody, but they're all basically the same. And then the one character that kind of like stands out or is different, you know, in some way that requires um, like growth from one of mm-hmm. the characters, like to accept them is the poor person, right? Like, so it's like in a way, it's like they're saying class is this like big dividing line that matters a lot more than, you know, yeah, your right. specific identities. Like, yeah, because you, which- <laughs> you have all these uh, it, like people of color or like non societally conforming people who are coded as the bullies yeah except for the poor girl who even then they treat her disability as a joke but her class is never treated as a joke yeah and it's like the Uh, one dividing kind of line you know that like it's like whoa it really requires some kind of you know personal growth for me to like embrace or like talk to this person (laughs) right you know yeah, but then, but then, like you mentioned, Heather one like learns her lesson for about thirty yeah. seconds yeah. while they're mm-hmm. having dinner, and then immediately goes back to being like the worst person at the high school. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
except for the main character <laughs> yeah but that that's why to me it reminded me of south park politics because it's just trying to be down on everything and as if that's like an insightful way to be right and it's at, really hard to tell what you're supposed to take from this story yeah yeah and at the at the end veronica when they're about to blow up the school she says uh my entire life i've always had someone talking at me telling me what i'm supposed to think what i'm supposed to feel what gives you the right to decide the conversation <laughs> like i think that's the closest they get to like a political statement in this show like, well i think we gotta i think we gotta talk about veronica's veronica character. that's what i was thinking too yeah, yeah. Because they change Veronica a lot from the, you know, other than the Heathers being like a big shift in the TV show, Veronica's whole storyline is a huge shift in, yeah. in the TV show, you know. And it's it's very, it, it embodies some very strange creative choices. Yeah, it does. yeah. Um, I mean, I think like. I wonder if it came out of some misguided wokeness, actually, because I feel like what they wanted to do is give Veronica agency, because in the movie, and I think that's the nicest thing I can say, honestly. <laughs> uh, that's really good. That's, that's, that's an amazing, uh, you should work PR for uh, Paramount <laughs> Channel. That's amazing. Because, you know, in the movie, she, like we talked about, she kind of goes along with what JD's doing until she realizes at some point, like, oh, this guy's a loser and I don't really want to kind of deal with this bullshit yeah. anymore. But that's, um, like the, that's, still, that's still just like the first two acts of the movie because the third act of that movie is definitely her trying to take control of the situation true. to yeah. the extent of literally, like, trying to kill him. Yeah, uh, yeah. She kind of becomes the hero. so over his shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the show, I feel like they were like, no, 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 we're going to give her agency <laughs> from like the jump and she's going to be this like, uh, maybe like unpredictable or like, uh, maybe anti-hero type <laughs> character, you know? Uh, but it just, I think it like leads to honestly, like a lot of the problems that the show has because. Yeah. It, basically. They just decide that she's a psychopath. She <laughs> murdered her best friend when she was a child. Her parents are afraid of her. Yeah. And it's like, what? Also, it's really irritating to me that she. we learned that she uh, murdered her best friend like six episodes in or something, like when she was a child. Because it's like, well, this is just an unfair twist that you gave us out of nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. They were, they were going for some sort of like Dexter style twist. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it lands because a, you don't know that much about her. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's such a cipher through so much of the, the show that it's not like the reveal that she's been covering up a murder since she was a little girl, um, actually plays into her character. at Yeah, all. exactly. Yeah. It's like, why did we add this? Like, this literally does nothing for the story or the character or my understanding of either, you know? Oh, and that's, that's true for so many things in the story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, just to take a little, a little sidebar, um, like Betty, when, when, uh, well, shit, we can talk about, uh, in in the film, they kill Heather One. In the TV show, Heather One 
comes didn't back. actually die, yeah. and then she comes back. But in the meantime, Betty, the like nebbish Asian neighbor yeah. that Veronica grew up with, like tries to seize power, and then that plotline just completely goes away because mm-hmm. JD disposes of her with a, a ridiculous ploy of having her carry a gun in. No, no, that's a different person. Yeah. How did they get? Oh, yeah. No, with oh god, the Betty one yeah, is even worse. The crazy fight across the lawn where she like suddenly knows like karate oh, or yeah, something oh like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I mean, JD literally said she like she she does like a like a somersault or a like a a cartwheel using a a croquet mallet, and JD literally says, "Really, like really, yeah. this is happening right now," uh, it, which is kind of where I was at that. Anyway. So then, then it leads into this incredibly, I, what could have been a really powerful scene about how women who were the victims of sexual assault or violent assault by men aren't believed by their parents or their family or by law enforcement. But instead, again, it's played for comedy, yeah. not for commentary. Yeah, they play it up so much that it feels like they're satirizing the idea that women aren't believed when they try to report their assaults and things like that. So it ins- It really feels like yeah, it really feels like the myth that like alt writers would yeah. tell each other about like this is what feminists believe happens when you go to the cops about rape. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so surreal to watch actually. That whole episode where it's like all from his perspective, it's like right. a first person shooter game, I guess oh, is yeah, maybe yeah. supposed to be the vibe. <laughs> yeah. It was so weird. Oh yeah. I've kind of forgot yeah, which, about that. Which part. gets us and then she completely disappears. Uh, yeah. And that leads us back into the end of that episode, which gets us back on track about Veronica, who suddenly becomes, like, the villain from Misery Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> she gets him locked up in, like, a institution, and then she's like, yeah. She's yeah, like, like a 1950s psychiatric institute yeah. where they strap Yeah, no, it's, down. it's straight out of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. They've yeah. got him strapped down. There's, like, the scary nurse who will just, like, dose you up and put you back to sleep anytime you act up. yeah. And I then, totally forgot about that, probably because it doesn't. Because it's so incongruous <laughs> with the whole story. Yeah, it's like, what no, the she fuck? and yeah. she ends up psychologically torturing him for three days to make him into the perfect boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. which was so weird too, because like, I mean, Veronica in the movie, she just like sees through JD eventually and like realizes like, oh, he's like a loser and he's just like everybody else and he wants attention and like. I don't, I don't care think about it's even this like guy. He's, he's like everybody else. I think she decides that, uh, like, being like everybody else is actually okay. That or, it's okay to have yeah. just, like, normal friends. Right. Just, like, be friends with people like a real person would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just mean, like, he's he's like everybody else in the sense that, like, uh, a big part of the Heathers is about, like, your identity in high school, and he's just like everybody else, kind of trying to like carve out a special, unique identity, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, basically, like she in the movie, she realizes, you know, that she's not into him, and then she is like able to kind of like move on and be cool and like you know eventually like fight him and stuff but in the tv show she's just obsessed with like having a prom date and like the perfect boyfriend and stuff so it's like wait what the fuck you made her like a psychopath who's like 
but she's also still such a girl, you know, like quote unquote girl that all she can do is like think about, you know, the boy she's dating in high school and getting the perfect prom dress. Like what? Like Right. I mean her her being friends with the Heathers makes so much more sense that's in the true. movie. Oh. Simply because she states it. But right. in the show, it's like, why did these people hang out together at all? I know. They, I, I, I know. For one thing, like, why did the Heathers hang out with each other? Because they all fucking hate each I other. I know. But, like, why does Veronica hang out with them? Because it's clear she has literally nothing in common. She is not a status chaser the way they are. Uh, she doesn't seem to care about being popular because she literally doesn't talk to anybody except for JD and the Heathers through the entire show. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think the way they change Veronica is one of the major things that ruins the show. Because in the movie, she's your proxy, right? She's like the one that you follow through this world and, you know, you respond to it the way she responds to it. She grows. But in the TV show, they made her a psychopath yeah there's nothing to grab onto in the tv show. yeah and i think that's partly what makes it harder to interpret the world of the tv show yeah well and it's also it's not just that there's nothing to grab onto it's that there's nothing to grab onto because it's so inconsistent and tonally i don't know like schizophrenic you know like sometimes sometimes you want to root for her because she's trying to well her trying to do the right thing kind of goes out the window by like the end of the third episode um but you don't even have any reason to think that she believes anything so she kind of just fills whatever role mm-hmm. yeah and she's like the she's she's a uh she's like a law and order or like a like a csi what's the 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 one about uh SVU? Like serial killers. Oh. Yeah, SVU. Oh, or she's, criminal intent. She, yeah, she's totally an SVU villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lubitza, As our main character. Lubitsa was saying it feels like they changed their minds halfway through then made her a psychopath halfway through. Because, like, in the beginning, yeah. she doesn't seem cool with the murders. Even yeah. more so than in the movie. In the movie, when they do the first murder, you know, she's reacting like a child who doesn't understand what she just did. But in the TV right. show, the psychopath is supposedly, like, really upset, and she's like, yeah. J.D., you did a bad thing. Yeah, she, like, li- I think she literally tells J.D. he did a bad thing or something like that. She's like, don't you get it? We just killed someone. Like, yeah. she's really horrified by it, seemingly. But then after a yeah. while, they're like, actually, she's been covering up a murder, and she, yeah. <laughs> like, has been murdering people for years. <laughs> Yeah, that's so strange. What a weird scene when uh, so they're they're holding their like, literally like a Columbine reenaction, and uh, the the two remaining Heather's and Veronica end up getting uh, locked into a room together, and they tie her up and read her journal, and yeah. find out that for one thing, Heather one who has come back to life, which is not a thing that happens in the film. Um, <laughs> She's come back to life to be the voice of suicide. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be the voice of suicide. Uh, actually, that that kind of works for me. That she is trying to do like a like a social media grift. Yeah, that yeah. feels real. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but Heather One, who knows that Veronica tried to kill her one time, now has extra information 
that yeah. Veronica is an actual murderer. <laughs> and if they read a little bit further in that diary, they would have found out that she's actually killed a whole bunch of people. Um, one of which Heather too was actually present for, but was like pass out drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, you know what? Like you're a monster, but you're our monster. We're yeah. going to be friends again. Yeah. And then that lasts for about 20 minutes yeah. and then they all hate each other again. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the point? I know. It's That's why it feels like there's nothing to like really grab onto, which I mean, kind of brings me to my like, I guess, big question for the show, which is even more broad than the show, just like, what makes something bad? Because I feel like, you know, when I'm watching, (laughs) (laughs) when I'm watching, like, um, good TV, like Atlanta or something like that, I know why I think it's good. And I have, like, a lot of things to say about why it's good. Um, And sometimes I like to watch, like, bad TV. Like, I really like watching um, Lifetime movies, right? And they're bad, but they're bad in, like, a fun, watchable way. But then occasionally I'll try to watch, like, especially on a plane, I'll try to watch a Hallmark Channel movie, and that's just unwatchable. (laughs) That's, like, so bad it's not even fun. (laughs) And that's my personal line (laughs) between bad watchable and unwatchable is, like, Hallmark and Lifetime channels. Um, But uh, I was thinking, like, what specifically makes something so bad that it's, like, unwatchable? I don't know that we'll have an answer. I mean, I think it's really hard to answer. I wrote a couple notes because I I knew I was going to ask this question, but. (laughs) I'm not going to say that this was unwatchable. I mean, I really thought as preparation for this podcast, I was going to watch the movie and a couple of episodes of the TV show and maybe give the musical a little bit of a listen. But I started watching the TV show first and I got sucked into it. It's it's demanding television. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it is just so incoherent, tonally, uh, symbolically, politically, yeah. that at the end of it, I was like, I'm glad that I've seen that so that I can tell people, look, I can tell you everything you need to know about this series, including that you don't ever need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it is it is an experience to watch it, I guess. I mean... For me, it was more like uh, I kept wanting to watch because I needed to see what turn was it going to take next? Because it's almost like uh, I've never experienced storytelling quite like this, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, that was it. That was why I brought up Dexter earlier. I mean, Dexter is definitely a, a show about an antihero. You're not supposed to agree with his worldview but he's at least a sympathetic character in a bunch of ways yeah and the story that's being told is consistent with all of the characters that they've established to that point and it builds you know it has its twists and turns and it builds sort of climax that is actually satisfying and and kind of fits the world that's been constructed you're not supposed to want to be dexter or necessarily try to hate him he's just an interesting like a fly frozen in amber. Yeah. And I feel like Heather's The Show tried to do that same thing, except they couldn't decide, like, who was good and who was bad. Yeah. So yeah. by the end of it, like, you, you're you kind of worn out. Like, you don't even care about these characters anymore. Mm. You're interested in what happens next, but only as a curiosity. Yeah. Not because you're... Not because you're emotionally invested in the story anymore. Inclu- you know, up to and including... The conclusion of the show, which is 
in the movie, JD is going to blow up the school during a pep rally. And he's like collected all these signatures on like a big fake su- like mass suicide note that he's made in the show. He does the same thing where uh, it, they, it's this really contrived way of getting him to like be able to videotape a bunch of people mm-hmm. on yeah. his phone saying like, I wish I was in heaven. Like, I wish I were dead. And he, you know, has made this social media post that's ready to go out when everybody at prom commits suicide all at the same time. And when Veronica finds out about it, she's offended because she's broken up with him at this point, mostly because it's not like she has a problem with killing people. She's just kind of disgusted with him. And then she goes and talks to Heather one again, who demonstrates that JD was right when he says that like all of these people are artificial. They're going to live these really shitty lives. And she like charges back into the boiler room and ends up fighting him to the death over actually executing the plan. Yeah. 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 He wants to backtrack because there's like a school shooting an hour ago. And yeah. He doesn't want to share the spot. And that's when right, she's which kind completely of... undermines his character too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess she kind of calls him out a little bit because she's like, oh, you're just like the Heathers. You're just like attention seeking. And I guess because yeah, you this, want like this Instagram is all fame. For the kind of attention that you wanted. Yeah. Sure. Which calls back to Winona Ryder's big like, uh, like action movie line in the in the original movie where, you know, she's like, what do you want from me? And she, you know, like aims the gun. She's like. I want cool guys like you out of my life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's good. Um, Okay. Well, I also have, I have a theory about why this show is bad that I'd like to present you guys. Well, I want to say a quick thing about the finale. What did you think of when they go to heaven and hell? Literally. Oh yeah. 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 That was a, that would have made a little bit more sense if they had introduced like Judeo Christian <laughs> uh, morality into yeah. the show a little yeah. bit earlier, or at all? Yeah, they literally go to hell. <laughs> yeah. It was a satisfying ending in that it was just as like weird and shitty as the show. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, made just I, as much like logical sense as the rest of the show. Yeah. Everything, <laughs> Which, maybe. Yeah. If, if it was like sort of like if you imagine the show as sort of like a weird, loosely associated dream, <laughs> then then this ending makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, it was very strange to me that uh, Heather two ended up in heaven because um, he didn't he didn't die like an innocent like everybody else at the prom because he he ends up oh right he ends up doing like a it's it's like a fucking. Uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel or something the way right. he dies. He yeah. like he's like running through a field and ends up catching his neck on a razor wire. Yeah. And then like limps over to a yeah. flower stand and lays down on it like Jesus. Yeah. Like yeah, the Pieta so or something. Weird. I know. It's like what? <laughs> Why? Maybe the show but is he's, just he's saying, there in heaven. Maybe when you die you just go to prom, no matter who you are. <laughs> oh god, that prom. sounds like hell to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that was it. Maybe it was like that uh, that Twilight episode where the the guy like dies and he goes to a casino where he always wins. Yeah, yeah, he thinks and that he's in he heaven. He gets bored but... really fast, and they're like, "Oh, you thought you were in heaven." <laughs> yeah, 
That used to be one of my favorite uh, Twilight Zone episodes when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> but yeah, what a what a strange turn to take that not only are we going to have the two... I mean, I think that dying, bleeding out of gut wounds in the basement of a school that just got demolished when you murdered all of your friends is a bad enough way to go. I mean, she even makes the reference about like, I don't know if we're going to be like this one cool couple or like Bonnie and Clyde mm-hmm. uh, like early on in the series right. and that's a very Bonnie and Clyde ending like they both died they're Violently. probably not you know yeah and then we we end up with this extra like sketch yeah, yeah. where like everybody's dancing around in like beautiful white <laughs> versions of clothes that they wore during the show and everyone looks beautiful and then JD and Veronica both stumble in, like, still shot through the gut, like, bleeding, covered in ashes, and they can't talk to anybody, and they can't find each other, Mm -hmm. and then they sit down on a staircase outside the dance after they both, like, try to go somewhere else in the school, and there's just this weird, ominous tunnel that you assume that they're going to have to walk down at some point. Yeah. I, thought, I was like, wow, I'm really glad that I, that you spent so much time trying to get me to relate to literally any of these characters. I know. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting or affecting how how it was portrayed as them being alone together. But uh, it would yeah. have only been affecting in like a different show where I cared about them. <laughs> where you cared about, yeah, or any the other of the characters. characters. Or, yeah. or where I cared about what happened because it had some consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, can can we just talk about the character of JD between the film and the show briefly? Oh, yeah. Because the guy in the show, I don't know the actor's name, but I, I will say that he is he is 100% gorgeous. <laughs> um, an incredibly attractive dude. Uh, he's, but very he's always got dead that, like, behind the eyes, man. That yeah, freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and dead, bo- dead behind the performance, too, because he, yeah. he seems to be kind of... I've never seen somebody be so boring while also chewing the scenery as he's doing in his very last little monologue when he's trying to convince her after she's seen the bomb and he's trying to convince her like, no, this is what we actually need to do. Um, And just like the most unaffected performance I've ever seen of somebody who's trying to be a villain. I know. Um, It was very strange. I know. It is the strangest delivery. Yeah. Whereas, uh, whereas like Kiefer Sutherland is just like, oh, it's he's like Slater. smug and like knows better than everybody, even though he's, he is absolutely an asshole. You can kind of see that there's like a personality there. He's just like, he's, he's kind of like the Joker from the like Michael Keaton Batman, you know? Yeah. He's just kind of delighting in all of this mayhem that he's causing. Whereas JD in the show is like, he doesn't seem to get any kind of satisfaction out of this at all. And then he comes to, you know, he comes to her room and gives like Romeo and Juliet soliloquies about how much he loves her. It's like, I haven't seen any yeah. kind of look buying slushies together is not chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, JD in the movie, you get the sense that there's like chaos dancing just underneath the surface where like he's right. trying to present as like placid, cool, unaffected, but really there's like constantly chaos, maybe like chaos behind and, his and eyes. And Sutherland is really good at doing that because he's got that weird Jack Nicholson voice and like always kind of smirks every time he says a thing. 
Yeah, it's actually um, Christian Slater. Oh shit! I yeah. keep missing. I keep messing that up. Oh, it's okay. I just thought. <laughs> like, I, I can't. Uh, I can't keep any of the guys who were in the stand straight. I I get them confused constantly. And <laughs> I like in the movie how, so in both stories, JD's mom died. In the movie, she committed suicide by going in the building that. His, dad, His was, dad was blowing up. And we never see it. We're just they allowed just, to imagine the horror yeah. of a small child oh, yeah. seeing his mother blow up in a building his father is blowing up and then later on his father brings home videos of other buildings he's blowing up yeah like it's a little bit deeply fucked up yeah it's a little bit like heavy i guess like a little bit over the top but it's just so like tight and twisted that it really worked for me yeah whereas in the tv show they show us you know at the beginning that his mom was actually literally the first scene yeah Yeah. and his mom was actually heather number two from the movie yeah right right yeah it's shannon doherty yeah yeah reprising her role and um uh she just uh shoots herself but also sets the house on fire yeah and, and so, he sees it happen yeah and i think that's actually a child. indicates the problem with the show which is like that the movie is really good at showing us that like oh you see like reagan's sunny happy wealthy stable america actually like there's some really fucked up shit going on underneath like we were talking about earlier um and so that's kind of what like underscores the darkness is that the darkness um is you feel it like it's it's like that like you can imagine this deeply horrifying experience this kid has had and how he's turned out into this kind of dark chaotic person whereas the tv show from the beginning i think like even with its opening music and everything how like they you know they do like the lockers in a black light and stuff it's like trying to like telegraph very openly, like in the light. Hey, this is a dark show. This is gonna be really, really dark. And I think like in that way, it actually yeah, like absolutely. undercuts I mean, its ability to be dark. Yeah, one of my one of my thoughts, one of the other things I wrote down was after I'd watched the movie, I was like, the show is like if Rob Zombie watched the movie and then wrote a TV show about it. Because they take all of the stuff that works from the film and then they crank it up to absurd degrees. This like yeah. cartoonish, like kind of horror film level. Uh, and then there's no there's no thematic thing linking it together. It's like watching Rob Zombie's remake of uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where like the original one was really creepy and atmospheric and had like weird little jokes that you could recognize if you were paying attention to the film. And this one was like, ah, eh, we don't really trust the audience to know that, uh, like JD's a psychopath cause his mom killed herself. So <laughs> yeah. we literally have to start the show with By JD's mom sm- waving and smiling to him <laughs> as she shoots herself in the head, as his house burns down in front of him as a little kid. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't need to know, why Veronica might have kind of a flexible moral compass, we have to show her as being an actual literal child murderer. Yes, yes uh, exactly. Who's been covering up for it the entire time. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, this this show is like in theme with, sometimes um, <laughs> I once watched, have you seen the show Once Upon a Time at all? Oh, yeah. Th- is that the one with... Uh, they grabbed like three Disney villains 
Yeah. And it's like Ursula and Maleficent and... Well... Um, yeah, it's like official fanfic in a way. Yeah, yeah. The version, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. The version I watched was like, I don't know, like Snow White's entire kingdom is like under a spell and they're in like modern day Maine, but they don't know that they're all like Disney characters. It doesn't matter. The important part is okay, yeah, yeah. that the Wicked Witch is there and then after like several seasons of her being a villain, they decide they want to like rehab her. So all of a sudden they do this long like detour into the Wicked Witch's story and like how she, uh, her father was like <laughs> mean to her and he like kept her away from her one true love and that's why she became the Wicked Witch. So this it just becomes wicked, except in in spoken word. Yeah, well, it's like it kind of reminds of what you're saying. It's like they have to like literally explain to you this is why this person is evil. They they can't just kind of like let your imagination take hold or let things like like linger in in the darkness, sort of, and, and be scary. It's like everything's out in the light. We have to tell you everything mm -hmm. specifically. Here's like her, you know, therapist notes on how that her how her relationship right. with her father affected her. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, that's that's sort of my that's sort of my theory of uh, like prequels. Mm. That if if you're just telling a backstory, like how this person came about. Uh, how, how this person ended up being Maleficent or Darth Vader or uh, the Joker or whatever, and the end result is literally just the character that you know, that's just that's storytelling masturbation. You're not doing yeah. anything. You're just like making more out of this one uh, content. Uh, whereas if you do something uh, it, like deconstructive, say like I think Wicked is kind of a cool story about how it turns out that, like, in the original story, she wasn't actually a bad guy. It was just the way that she was perceived because of the way the world got set up. Mm. Um, I think that's a lot more interesting. Yeah. And I don't think this movie does a great job, or sorry, the TV show of Heather's <clears throat> does a great job of doing either one of those. Because, because they take a guy who's a villain already in the movie and they just make him more villainous. He just tries to kill a lot more people. And you've got the main character who was supposed to get sick of his shit, except she also is a psychopath. Um, she just doesn't like the way he goes about stuff. But then eventually she does to the point where, <laughs> like, she's the one who sets off the bomb instead of him. Um it's it's not only not adding to the story by being deconstructive, it's undermining the original story without providing anything like interesting or something to for the audience to grab onto. Yeah, totally. Um, well, actually, like that. So, like I was gonna say earlier, I've been like vexed by this show for several weeks now. Uh, I'm just, I'm really excited to share this theory because... <laughs> I want to I hear the theory. Because <laughs> we watched it, like, a couple weeks ago, so I've just been living with this show and, you know, no one to talk to but Adam <laughs> about it for a while. So I'm, like, really happy to be just, like, having this discussion. And, I yeah, I've spent some time, I've looked some things up, and here's what here's what I've come up with, Okay. I, I want I want to make it clear. I'm not trying to call an end to this conversation because I could probably talk about this show all night. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I understand. That. <laughs> I definitely understand that feeling. Um, so, okay. So my theory is that 
This show is like a hauntological product, okay? Do you know what hauntology is? I don't know what hauntology is. Okay. I, I do, I do, but maybe for the listeners, yeah. you, you would want to explain it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So hauntology, like, broadly, I mean, there's a lot we can say. I'm just going to give a very brief overview because that's not what I want to do is, like, define hauntology for people all night. But um, basically, like, I think Derrida is kind of like the originator of the term, and it... I wrote it down. It says, uh, it refers to the way we never encounter things as fully present or fully there. In all of our experiences, the present is always mixed up with the past and the future. That which is present is always mixed up with that which is absent. We can only make sense of any present moment by capturing, uh, by comparing it with the past and anticipating the future. And so I was thinking about that. And just like as an example, like, because I think that sounds kind of like, very, yeah. I don't know, a good example, like a concrete example of how we actually like experience it is um, like if you think about when you hear a melody, we can like as people, right, we can only experience one note at a time, basically, because we move through time in you know, a linear fashion. So when you're like thinking about when you're experiencing a melody, you essentially like hear one note at a time, but you make out the melody by mixing up the experience of the past notes and anticipating the future notes. Um, And so that's kind of how you can kind of imagine what this experience of ontology ontology is. Um, And so then uh, there's like Mark Fisher who talks about the slow cancellation of the future. And he's a, leftist think or he was a leftist thinker um and he kind of talks about hauntology in terms of like um media and entertainment and how um you know we sort of paradoxically try to relive our anticipation of the future by going back into the past and he would say like the um the reason we do that is because like neoliberalism is so hegemonic that uh, people no longer are really trying to anticipate the future. Like in the past, we would come up with some new technology and then that would lead to new culture. But now when we come up with new tech, it's so that we can make like, you know, some scene um, of like New York being destroyed in the latest Spider-Man movie look a little more realistic or whatever, you know, like we've been remaking Spider-Man movies like since I was in high school, but um, we're not like creating new culture with that technology. Um, So uh, anyway, so he he would kind of like talk about it in terms of like a a flattening of our um, cultural products. Like he also talks about like if you could imagine um, like going back 20 years or like sending music from now back 20 years, right? So that would be like 1998. Uh, Would anyone be like really shocked by the music we're making now or not be able to experience it as music? And like the answer is no, right? Like I'm sure, you know, Sam (laughs) Clown, Sam, our dogs are big. I got it. Okay. Sorry. It's going to pick up on the mic if uh, if I don't break up this. These dogs are getting a little bored. It's, it's it's your podcast. I'm not complaining about dog noise on your end. In fact, when you guys come on our podcast, I'm not going to complain about dog noise on your end either. I think it's kind of charming when it happens every once in a while. Cool. I think if we, yeah, Adam's separating them, so I think they'll be. Well, I want to I wanna make sure that I'm uh, 
like tracking uh maybe not where you're going but well i'm 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 being a hauntologist here because <laughs> i'm anticipating where you're going based on what you were just saying and also what you said before um i think i think there's a lot oh jesus i have no idea where you're going because just based on what you described about these uh these philosophical approaches i think there's a lot to be said about uh, the Heather's show, both yeah. in the storytelling and also how it relates to uh, the original film. That it's it's trying to, I, it, as it relates to the original film, it's trying to echo uh, a, a lot. I mean, they watching it was so interesting watching the show before I watched the film because I'd never seen it before um, because. You watch the show in one sitting, and it's a lot for your brain to take in. And then you watch the movie, and all of a sudden, it's like every single line and not plot beat, but like character beat is echoed in some way. Yeah. Um, so it's it's absolutely trying to like draw on the past, but it's also incorporating um, kind of. Uh, it's like a really weird outcome of the 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 show. The show's philosophy ends up being a representation of a very strange outcome of these um, like hyperbolic, uh, almost regressive like predictions of the future based mm-hmm. on what's happened in the past. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, I think that's exactly what makes it hauntological. Is like, um this show is like well I was saying to Adam like um, it's trying to like they emphasize a lot about how it's now right like from the very like beginning of the TV show they're basically trying to announce to us like look this is 2018 bitch you know like uh, this isn't the Heathers of 1989 or whatever like you know well and it's also it's also not the Heathers of like next Tuesday AD you know, like yeah. it's not supposed to be kind of in the future from us. It's it's supposed to be a representation of exactly what's happening. Exactly. But so it's it's supposed to be a commentary on now, but the world and like the politics that they're presenting don't really exist because like SJWs exist online and they might have some power on Tumblr or whatever, but like they're pe- no one who's like an SJW has like real power in real life and um, not especially not in the outsized sense that um, you know the Heathers do in this high school, which is supposed to be like a microcosm yeah. of society. When, right when they right. in the TV show when they walk into the cafeteria, everybody turns <laughs> yeah. to look at them, and that doesn't even happen in the movie. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, and um, yeah, they loved that shot. By the way, that yeah. was the thing that kept getting brought up every yeah. single time somebody would establish the new cool clique. Yeah, uh, yeah. They would have that shot with some like um like really hard hip hop or uh what's the one with the want 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 uh what dubstep? The, the, dubstep. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a like a hip hop dubstep thing. Yeah. Uh and they would walk in slow motion. They always had the uh, it, this show called back to itself so much. Like mm. every single time that shot happened, the person on the right would like turn and like do a little hand wave at somebody. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, 
Yeah, so I was thinking, like, so it's supposed to be a commentary on the now, um, but, like, this world and the politics, like we're saying, like, don't really exist. And also, like you were mentioning, it's completely, it's like echoing the movie. It's like completely haunted by its 80s past. But then what future is it anticipating? Like, at best, like, to be generous, like, I can sort of imagine that it's, like, anticipating or having some fear of some future that's, like, a few years out where people are slightly too woke, I guess. (laughs) And that's, like, that's the kind of mix of the show in terms of past, which is, like, deeply haunted by, and present, which it, you know... I mean, I guess I think that's why it doesn't have a good grip on the present is because it's like overly haunted by the past, but doesn't have any anticipation of a, of a future. And so how can it like understand itself in the present? How can it have like all those problems we're talking about where it's like, there's nothing to hold on to. It's sort of schizophrenic. What is it trying to say? I th- and, and we kind of come to the conclusion, right? Like, I don't think it knows what it's trying to say. I, I think that's because of this problem, you know, because it has no I, vision I for the future and it's deeply haunted by its yeah. past. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And what vision it does have of the present is this really distorted... Um, I, I I keep using the word, but like regressive politics. It's, yeah. it's the worst stereotypes about what might be going on right now from some some Republican fever dream about yeah. like what what school campuses look like right now. Yeah, totally. That's what I was saying. Like, I think its biggest fear about the future is like uh, in a few years, people might be too woke, like a fat girl and right. a queer kid might be more popular than the cheerleaders. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's basically my my main uh, theory of like why the show is bad like you know when I was asking you guys why you think the show is bad um, and I was thinking like uh, how different it is from like when you think about a show like I don't know like shows that were popular when I was like in high school which were like maybe like Dawson's Creek or Sex in the City or Friends or Buffy something the like Vampire that Slayer. Yeah. yeah it's like when you watch one of those shows it feels like I'm crawling back like onto you know, my parents' couch or whatever. And like everything's, you know, I remember what it felt like to live in, you know, 1999 or 2005 or whatever, you know, because those shows are so of their time. They're not necessarily maybe trying to always, like, I don't think Friends is trying to present a commentary on its time, but it's like representative. No, Friends, Friends avoided that assiduously. They, yeah, they did yeah. Not, they avoided they, 9-11. They <laughs> Yeah, their their entire lives did not change before or after 9-11. Yeah, but I'm, I just seen like, but still, when you watch that show, like, it does a good job sort of presenting that time, how that time felt, not necessarily how everybody's lived experience of that time was, obviously. But when you watch this show, like, I was thinking kind of like that Mark Fisher thing that I was saying, like, if you imagine going, sending music from now 20 years into the past, into 1998, would people be shocked? No. But then if you imagine sending music from 1998 back to 1978, like if you go back another 20 years, would people be kind of shocked by the music they're hearing? I think yes. More so. Yeah. Yeah. And this I was thinking kind of along the same lines. Like if I think back 
from now and I watch something like Friends that came out, I think around like 1998 or whatever, I'm like, wow, I really feel what 1998 was like. But I was thinking, will people 20 years in the future watch this show? I mean, granted, no one's watching this show, but, you know, for, you know, theoretically, could people 20 years from now watch this show and think, oh, yeah, that's what 2018 was like? And I feel like the answer is no, because no. this show exists out of time and place. I mean, literally, like, it's not being viewed in the place that it was produced for, right? But it's also completely out of time. Like, it's just its own weird, yeah, regressive fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's my theory that I wanted to share with I you guys. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want you to like dissemble on that. I, I, my, my brain went. I, uh, my brain exploded. I, I didn't have anything to say about it. No, I, I think, um, I think, I think well, you're I mean, absolutely right. Uh, and and I would add to that that part of the reason for it is what we've discussed this whole time, which is that the the show simply does not know what it's trying to do. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't know what it's yeah. trying to satirize like it makes jokes and you ask what's the target and then it's like were they doing that satirically yeah. but then they make jokes completely the opposite direction it's like are, is that satire also or is this just kind of incoherent you don't <laughs> you don't actually know like who's supposed to be the good guy who you're supposed to be relating to um as the as the show goes along through 10 episodes you kind of sympathize with everybody along the way but everybody gets revealed as a monster also so so yeah. by the end of it whatever political message they were even trying to make is lost because you have nothing to uh, ground you to this there there's no anchor there's no <laughs> there's no emotional anchor for this show yeah, which is so strange because the politics and the feeling of living in 2018 is very specific, right? I mean, we have, for God's sakes, we have our, you know, reality TV president and like, yeah. you know, there's like, it feels like, um, I don't know, it feels like a time prime yeah. for satire, well, I, basically. Uh, yeah. But this show just is not could, delivering. Yeah, could I that, could I throw you know? out a specific example of a thing that I think they put a lot of effort into that absolutely doesn't land? Yeah, of which course. is the way all of the parents act mm. in the show. Totally. Yeah. Um. So you have just just a couple of uh like glaring examples. There's Veronica's parents who start out as being. Exactly the same as they were in the movie where they just kind of like sit around distracted and rich and don't pay a whole lot of attention to what she's doing. And they've got that joke about like, good pate, but I've got a ah, jet shit. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a bounce or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there, there's like a catchphrase that she uses um, in the show. They kind of develop this story about how the parents also think that she's a psychopath. Uh, yeah. but that and they're never, like deeply that, afraid of her it turns out. right and that never gets followed up on nothing yeah. ever gets resolved with that it's just a thing that they introduce as a joke which is like it's not really a joke because there's no payoff for it um you've got betty's parents who are offensively the like asian helicopter parent stereotype yeah to the extent that they do not believe her when she says this guy sexually and that sexually assaulted me and then tried to murder me 
Um, and I defended myself using all these skills that I've got. And they're like, she's just hysterical. Or the reason that she's acting out is because she got an A minus on a test. Um, I, all of the parents are presented as I, these, these really basic, it's like a Ben Garrison cartoon of like what progressive parents look like. There's a, there's Heather three's parents who come in and literally just stand there for five minutes and tell her all of the reasons she should kill herself. And then they're like, like, we see you. And then they walk out of the room, like patting each other on the, literally patting each other on the back about like, I think you did a good job making eye contact there. Um, And And then they literally don't see her when she comes home bleeding from the wrist. When she comes home in like one of the most horrifying fucking scenes I've ever seen on television. No, I know. Roller skating home being ignored by everybody <laughs> as her as she's bleeding out and then yeah. sits down on the couch and even her parents don't notice that she is going to die like in between them on the couch while they watch TV and comments about like, well, isn't that something she made it home safe? Yeah. Yeah. How could that possibly be satire? Because it's just stupid. It's just too like well, way too over the it's top. It's over the top. It's so over the top. Like that is one of the, but that's the darkest thing. It's like, things actually of the show. I guess. Is it is it satire or are they literally just being mean? Or <laughs> was them being mean supposed to be some sort of meta satire? Because I I don't know, man. I've analyzed this show a lot, and I don't think that they carried it off. If that was the point, yeah. I think they're just being shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's they like just detest their audience. I think it's totally. also like yeah, for sure. I think it's also the adults in general, right? Like Adam was saying, this guy thinks that he made the adults the villains or whatever, and there's like all the teachers are like, you know, extremely over the top, awful. There's like the scene at the end where there's like some nerd who like notices that um, JD and Veronica like went into the boiler room. I think he even sees that. Yeah, they shot each other. And then he goes and tries to tell the teachers that there's like a bomb under the school. But instead, the teachers are busy like arguing about um, how long some girl's skirt is and whether uh, measuring her skirt with a ruler was sexual assault or was the ruler doing the assault. And so they can't be bothered to like notice that this kid is screaming that there's a bomb under the school and then they just like tell him to chill out when they do hear him that's a great example too of uh not understanding the moment they live in complaining about skirts length in school is something that happened when we were like in middle school yeah like dress codes (laughs) were a big deal when we were in middle school now children are like actually dying in school (laughs) well it's also it's also such a stupid contrivance in the show because the the student that they're kicking out of prom for wearing too short a skirt is Heather One, who has been seen in multiple episodes by that point wearing like earrings or necklaces that or dresses. I notice a lot of her fashion. Yeah. Uh, that that's literally like fuck you, fuck mm-hmm. off, eat yeah. shit. Like she had my the middle dick finger is bigger choker. than yours. Like yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like. None of that stuff ever would be approved under any current, like, high school dress code. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it does go so, back to... Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying, that they detest their audience. They just don't think that it matters to be consistent for you. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, and, and 
I mean, the the overall politics of the show, any of the stuff that they end up making jokes about ends up being uh, this this very conservative view of the world. I mean, the mm. the ostensible protagonists of the show are two, like, put upon incredibly privileged white people uh, who were fighting against a, a, a dictatorship of, like, diverse people who probably still get bullied in high school Um, every every joke that they make on the the part of parents i mean they spend so much more time with like veronica's parents uh the the absent like absent-minded if feet liberal like they eat pate and you know are drinking tea all the time then they do with jd's dad who is presented as an asshole like a couple of times, but you're not really supposed to think about his politics. Yeah. They also make uh, an and extra then, yeah, and then and then the the faculty also is like you've got the uh uh one thing that did carry over from the film was the guidance counselor is still like a crystal wearing like second wave feminist um like arguing you know bringing up the patriarchy in every single conversation uh because that's totally how like feminists talk when they're in meetings yeah yeah um and every and all of the guys are rolling their eyes at her but that's supposed to be the joke so like who are they making fun of the out of touch dudes or oh oh my god uh heather three's um like statutory rape by the uh I know yeah I was thinking uh, we are did not talk about that and I was thinking are we (laughs) are we gonna make it through this whole podcast without mentioning yeah no I I hope that we don't because that's a thing that is treated as a joke which is absolutely not a joke and then the only resolution is that they end up killing the guy yeah Uh, it's so unclear to me why they added that as a storyline at all i mean like we've said so many times but this is another one of those instances where it's just like what did this add what did this add to the story what did this add to our understanding of these characters or i don't know it just it's so confusing to me i really wish i would love to have been a fly on the wall of this writer's room (laughs) to just try and begin to understand the logic of some of the decisions that were made yeah I, I kind of don't. I mean, the more I think about it the and the more we talk about it, the more I think that this this show might have just been garbage. It might have just been yeah. like garbage <laughs> made by bad people with bad politics. Yeah. I kind of that's kind of what I think. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what I was like spending a lot of time reading about like theory and trying to understand why is this show so bad? <laughs> like yeah, let's try to bring knew- like ontology into this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I I knew that there must be something wrong when uh, nobody on the Onions AV Club had written up, like, Mm -hmm. even anything like a recent article on this show. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Much less like like an episode breakdown, you know? Like, ooh, that's a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah, when we just, when we saw the first episode, we were just like, what the fuck is this what are we watching and then i was like i can't you know i can't believe my beloved movie which granted has pieces that are problematic but still you know uh 
that this is what they turned it into, you know? <laughs> and that right. this is the Heathers that modern teens get, you know? And it was like, we have to keep watching and see what's going on. But yeah, when they, I mean, I can't get over, like, when they busted out that red pill was when I was just like, what is this? What has happened? You know, like, I know I keep mentioning it, but it was just a real turning point in my viewing of this, you know, show. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, when this episode comes out, I'm absolutely posting it to the, uh, the Heather's subreddit. Uh, we prepare to get completely flamed and harassed on Twitter <laughs> over that because uh, most of the discussions there are about how everyone's mad about the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there would have been a place for a show that was critical or skeptical of overly woke politics. Yeah, they just this show is not smart enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, I think you're right that there could definitely have been a place for it, or they could have satirized it a lot yeah, more. Or if they had start, uh, if they had just copied the movie a little bit more, yeah, where Veronica starts off hating the school and ends up accepting it, then you could have been critical of these SJW performative, uh, shallow virtue signaling politics. And still yeah. come away with a conclusion where that like hate isn't the answer, and like hate, yeah. hate just blindly like for its own sake is dangerous yeah well and it does it does make some head fakes toward making that the story right that it's not it's not so much that they're against like sjwism it's that they're against what people think of as sjwism which is the like super it's it's just another form of bullying basically Mm -hmm. it's it's completely insincere yeah, cynically deploying um, weaponized. Yeah, yeah, c- yeah, cynical identity politics for personal gain um, yeah. is not actually social justice. And it, yeah, I, I agree with you that that would have been a much more interesting way <laughs> yeah. to go. Like reveal the Heathers, like they don't actually care about any of this shit. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't make which they. I don't know. They didn't make it redeemable at all. They didn't make that perspective even sympathetic. Yeah, and they tipped their hand immediately in that scene where she's berating the kid for wearing the like Cleveland Indians t-shirt cuz she in the second or third sentence is like Brendan is 116th uh na- first nations first nations and right. he stands up and says hey i didn't mind it's okay and she says yeah. shut up it's not about you yeah. like you tipped your whole yeah. hand right there yeah. that's everything Ex- you have to say explicit tokenism sure yeah but that's like their whole critique of yeah. these politics. They just yeah, did you're right. It it's in like encapsulated in the first ten. Yeah, they kind of just called it a day and gone home after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like you could keep uh, talking about this show forever, but we have been on for a while, so maybe we should <laughs> uh, begin to you know wrap it up. I don't know. You, I think, had a good suggestion of maybe saying something we either really liked or. I guess we've talked a lot about what we really disliked, so maybe it would be refreshing <laughs> to hear one thing that we liked about um, the show, and uh, yeah, maybe we can kind of use that as a good wrap-up of... And and I maybe say whether we'd uh, recommend it or not. What, the show? Well, like, 
Okay, like I would recommend watching it because even though absolutely it's god awful, it is quite an experience. Like in the way that like if you you know there's like the those like twenty four hour films that like people go see and it's like an experience to be in the theater that long and experience a piece of art for that period of time. This is like an experience. You know? Hey, I will <laughs> to- I will pay money to go see a shitty movie. I mean, my nephew and I went and saw the the new Jurassic World movie. And he's nine, and he agreed that it was a bad film, but we had a great time watching it. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this is an experience of unconventional storytelling, for mm-hmm. sure, you know? You're definitely not going to know which way <laughs> <laughs> the story is going to go next, and that's interesting. I mean, I used to like Gus Van Sant movies because I thought they were unconventional forms of storytelling, so, you know, we could we could say that that's a good reason <laughs> to watch. Uh, <laughs> and I think that uh, one thing I liked about the show was the um, sort of... I like that they were... It was not successful, but I like that they were. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they were sort of willing to imagine what um, this like uh, world that um, I guess like uh, alt right people are so afraid of would look like. Because in a way, like what it was successful in showing me was like, okay, it's not that bad, right? Like even if everyone gets overly woke, yes, there are like some. Uh, really awful things like um, people will use their like I don't know like woke points to shame other people with like le- like lower woke status but sure. essentially like we do that in different forms now anyway and if it means that like I don't know once in a while a fat girl and a queer kid uh, and, a, and a black girl can be the mean girls of the school then I, I don't know that's fine well and the show even does that at one point where uh, after Heather one supposedly dies, uh, Betty takes over the school and all mm. of the like bullying, like the the antisocial justice, the really regressive bullying just resumes in her right. absence. Uh, right, right. And, and that's that's part of uh, like Veronica and JD's wake up in the show. It's like not only did she become more popular, but also things got measurably worse in her absence (laughs) yeah Uh, which is weird and that's another theme that they never follow up on but i i think you're totally right yeah so i I commend the show for sort of presenting at least some kind of interesting you know alternate reality (laughs) (laughs) yeah i liked uh i liked heather two's character at least in the second half of the show Mm. i thought they did a pretty I thought they did a surprisingly good job with that character. At first, I, w- I felt like, oh, wow, this is just such a gay villain stereotype. Mm. And they really managed to develop her character. Yeah, they, they humanized her after a while. Yeah. Yeah. And they humanized her in a way, too, that wasn't just, like, super basic. Like, she still acted shittily. And she was still, comp- like, more complex in that way, where she wasn't just a good person or a good character. Yeah. And maybe that's down to the actor, too. But I I thought that was pulled off pretty well by the end. Yeah. Also, like you said, the, the fashion was great. Yeah. For her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we'll and, uh, we'll have uh, I, I would, you know, 
Sorry. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> oh, yeah. I, I would give that same credit to a lot of the writing about a lot of the characters. They did a great job of fleshing out. Um, I don't remember who Heather 2's uh, lover is. It's like Kurt, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Kurt. They did good with that. Uh, who, yeah. Who in the, in the movie is just like a shitty like jock date rapist guy. Yeah. Uh, and in the show, he's not like the brightest dude, uh, but he's he is like nice and like yeah. a decent dude. He's just like a high school kid. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they did that with a bunch of different a bunch of different characters in like unexpected ways where they kind of fleshed people out and yeah even like the stoner girl actually that was kind of interesting like the stoner right, girl in the is, tv who is absolutely just she's just a throwaway joke in the film yeah yeah i think also i mean it's not wrong to say why can't we have a villain who's a fat queer lesbian yeah you know or a, a gender queer person like well no we have equality when you can do something like that without it being a problem it's like the controversy right. over uh um scarlett johansson playing a trans person potentially and uh you know we're still at a point where we just have to fight a little bit to make sure a trans person can play a trans person yeah in a movie but we'll know we've really progressed when a trans person can just play a just a normal cis person I don't mean right. normal. Okay, I mean cis. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like, then we'll know we've actually progressed a little bit. So well, I think, it's not. I think wrong part to of the objection. Yeah, I think part of the objection we all have had to this show is that it portrays a a high school situation that really doesn't match up to reality very well. Mm, that, yeah. I mean, like it's it's possible in this day and age that there's like. A, a fat lesbian and uh, like mixed race lesbian and a genderqueer uh, ginger um, who run the school with an iron fist, but it's probably not. That's really <laughs> yeah. probably not like most people's experiences yeah. even now. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you though. I mean, that's that's the that's the world that you would want art to like promote. I don't know if yeah. this does, though. No. <laughs> Maybe if uh, instead of a high school, it was just Tumblr, and these were just characters living inside of Tumblr, <laughs> then it would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, my, uh, the thing that I liked about it was that they actually did, I know this is super problematic, but they did the actual brave storytelling thing of having the plan be successful. Mm. Oh, it's, yeah. It is wildly different from what happens yeah. in the film, but I thought that it was really interesting that in the 10th episode, they do actually end up murdering everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, that is a creative choice and you never, you never do see any of the follow up. I mean, I guess you kind of do. I, I think maybe the, maybe the show does try to show you that uh, like the media, like, does a quick dash in and they talk to Heather one and they're like, do we need her name? No, no, we'll just, we'll just say that she's a, you know, she's a friend of Veronica. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that was a really interesting creative choice. I, yeah. I didn't see it coming, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really surprised me too, actually. I, I When we were like getting towards the end, that was like one of the things that I was sort of like, okay, but they're not, you know, because also because I'd seen the movie, but I was thinking like, okay, they're not actually right. going to blow up the school, but I wonder how this is going to end at this point. Like what kind of ending could they possibly give this thing? Yeah. And then when yeah. everyone like does die, I was like, oh, dang. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the only things that they do that's consistent with the character that they've made for her. That's true. Right? They, yeah. Yeah. She she is opposed to it on Psychotic. aesthetic grounds. <laughs> um, but yeah. then she goes and meets up with Heather One again, who just berates her and says, like, I'm a mind virus that will infect like, I know. all of these people. Like <laughs> so I'm the bully that will echo down through generations. And she's like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, maybe we should just blow this place up. Yeah. Um that's one of the only character consistent things that they did for her. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's, yeah, it's I think that's a, a good horrible choice. thing that happens, but uh but I was impressed. I was impressed by the artistic choice. I'm not surprised that nobody will air this program. <laughs> <laughs> but that's honestly part of what drew me to it. Because yeah. it's like, wait, no one's watching this TV show. Like, because, and they could, felt like they couldn't air it anywhere. What is right. this show? And then we start yeah. watching it, and then it's like, oh my God, what is this show? Yep. <laughs> like, There's so, yeah. a lot going on here. Yep. Yeah. I've been, right. in, I've been in DMs all day and all of yesterday going like, okay, I'm starting <laughs> Heathers now. Oh my God, this show. Like, okay, yeah. I'm hooked on it, but this thing is deeply problematic. What the fuck <laughs> is this program? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how we felt. So when, yeah, when we were like talking with you about doing a show together, I was just like, I need someone else. I like literally was saying to Adam, I hope that talking <laughs> about this with someone else will help me just like, understand what we just saw because oh yeah no i i wanted to i wanted to understand it too because after you watch the first episodes like you've got to see where this is going yeah talk about it yeah 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 absolutely we we might actually have made ourselves the experts on the show because i'm scrolling through the, uh, the wikipedia entry and like it only has uh an episode summary for the pilot which means i think we might be not only the like Texas experts on this program, but possibly the worldwide experts on this program at this point. That's awesome. We should add this up to the Wikipedia page. Yeah, we'll we absolutely yeah. should. Good source material. I've got a couple of alts. I can I can start adding some stuff in. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for watching this many hours of the Heather's and I, the movie. Watching watching the show, I'm not going to describe as fun, but hanging out with you guys and bullshitting <laughs> on it was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, cool. it really was. I think I do understand it better now. Yeah. No, me too. It was. It is really helpful to like have a full catharsis like sesh where we just really, <laughs> you know, work through our feelings together. <laughs> yeah, who the hell else am I ever going to be able to talk to about yeah. this program? <laughs> yeah, I'm never yeah. going to like show it to somebody and be like, you need to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, maybe we'll peek a few like, you know, like 
sadistic people's <laughs> so, wait sa- sadism is the one where you hurt yourself right masochist masochist, masochist. Oh, i always have yeah. trouble remembering okay a few masochistic people's yeah. uh interest and maybe they which will is, uh, which is gonna make us the the sadists that's yeah. true yeah. that's true <laughs> that's right i mean we'll be really, your daddy if you watch that, this <laughs> i mean all of society is built around all of these artificial constructs and everybody thinks that they're living a meaningful life but really what we need to do is just subject everyone to heather's the tv show because <laughs> it'll demonstrate to them how dark and pointless their existence is hey how am i doing how's my how's my impression (laughs) i was gonna say well i think we can wrap it up there that's a perfect like encapsulation (laughs) of the entire vibe of this (laughs) well thanks again y'all you're you're coming on liquid flannel next week yeah Yeah, absolutely well we're excited to do the show like i said we've really enjoyed listening to you guys Uh, adam like I went, I forget. I was like, oh, we can fast forward past some of the early like banter, or whatever, because I already heard that part. And Adam was like, but they do have really good banter. And I was like, I know. <laughs> we just don't like That's the banter on those podcasts. Too. Yeah, yeah, we're like actually kind of critical about that. So yeah, uh, yeah, we really enjoyed your guys's uh, show. So we're excited uh, to awesome. be on. Thanks. Well, we're looking cool. forward to having you on. All right. Well, until next week. Thanks so much. <laughs> So nice outside. Yeah. Adam's got his tea. I'm mm-hmm. in my pajamas. We're very cozy. <laughs> um, should I wait for that? No, it's okay. There's this really nice bird sound over here. Okay. So hopefully you guys enjoyed. Or it might be a bat. We have bats out here. I don't think it's a bat. There are some night birds in Texas. This one's like really. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we hope you enjoyed that discussion. Um, it's my turn to pick the song. So I think we'll write out to one of my faves, which is called, I think it's called Temptation 87. Maybe it's just called Temptation, but it came out in 87 um, by New Order. And I was telling Adam how the lyrics are, you know, oh, you have blue eyes, oh, you have green eyes, oh, you have gray eyes. And uh, I, I have <laughs> those colors of eyes, and it came out in 1987. So I used to always imagine that it was somehow uh, tied to me. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's a good song for us to write out on, since, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, I listened to the Heather's for a Made in the 80s birthday party. So it seems like a, a good fit to write out to. It's also just a great song. Yeah, obviously, yeah. it's a great song. Yeah. I hope you enjoy the night noises. Hope you enjoyed our discussion. Yeah, make sure you listen to the Liquid Flannel podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm at Bone Camaro on Twitter. I'm at Cold Pizza Party. Everything else that we do is at Cold Pizza Party on SoundCloud, Facebook. Yeah. Those are our main places where we exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Online. 
And uh, you can find us on iTunes, rate us, review us, or just, you know, tell your friends, whatever. Tell yeah. your parents. Tell your siblings. <laughs> tell your coworkers. Yeah. Yeah, tell your coworkers to listen to a two-hour-long discussion <laughs> of a TV show that never came out in the United States. Um, okay. So we'll leave you with that. Hope you have a great night. Um, and uh, we love you. Yeah. Drive safe. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye. Too hot to say